We've all heard some great lawyer jokes. Trust us, we've heard them, all of them. But without sounding too adversarial, lawyers are humans too. In fact, that's the main theme of this podcast. Welcome to The Human Lawyer, the time and place where we have conversations with lawyers focusing on the intersection of the existential and the practical. When you meet Scott Addison, you feel like family, which sort of makes sense because a mere mention of his family brings a warm, wide smile. But don't let Scott's soft demeanor fool you. He's very competitive. When the lights go on, he comes out in an understated way because to Scott, there is no try. You either do or you do not. Scott's greatest inspiration and influence is someone who demonstrates a perfect balance of intellect without snobbery, passion without petulance, professionalism and integrity without haughtiness and love without smothering. That person would be his wife, Catherine, and what Scott perceives must be true because there are parents far and wide in the greater Charlotte area who travel to make sure their kids have Dr. Addison as their pediatrician. Scott's day is proximate to Catherine's line of work as Scott represents doctors, hospitals, healthcare facilities, and the like when they find themselves in a dispute. Scott resolves disputes one way or the other through listening. Today, we get to listen to Scott and his human story. Welcome to the Human Lawyer Podcast, Scott. Thank you, Kevin. Um, thank you for that very kind introduction. And that does uh, always brings a, a little bit of a tear to my eye when I hear things like that about Catherine, because um, my wife, Catherine, because I, I can't express to you how proud I am of her and how lucky I always feel when I'm when I look at her. And um, she's amazing. Um, and a lot of people recognize that as well. So I thank you for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, thank you for uh, spending time uh, doing this because you have other things that you could be doing. And so uh, the the benefit or the advantage of this episode is having known you before it. And, uh, and um, one of the things that called out in the intro is just the importance of family. And it, it is something that shows up. And uh, the, the notion of uh, raising kids and having three you having three daughters and then sort of that knowing that they're in their teenage years knowing that it's been a a, a tough time in the world um, whether it's a pandemic or you know a combustible political environment so just uh curious you know how where, where you're at and just share as much as you're willing to share and uh uh whatever you think um germane to your current season in life right now yeah well, thanks i i mean like any parent you know you, you asked me to talk about my kids and i will go on forever um <laughs> i think a lot of us we're very biased uh i think i have three just absolutely amazing kids um you know considering the times we're living in with pandemic times you know political division world craziness and um and then you know, cap that with ages you know, 11 to 18, when, you know, for some families that is challenging, um, you know, especially it seems like with, with daughters can be challenging to mothers a lot of times, but I got to say, um, these three girls of, of ours are super special. Um, they have weathered these past few years, um, with a, a lot of resilience. We had a lot of fun times and, um, we're, we've made it through almost to normalcy now it feels like 
Um, it's hard to believe, but my oldest is uh, going to college um, this year for the first time. We're going to drop her off in a couple of weeks up the road to um, to a place I'm very uh, happy to call my alma mater at, at Davidson College. Um, Catherine and I both went there. So when Kate decided that that's where she wanted to spend the next four years, we were thrilled. Um, so that's going to be super exciting to drop her off there. She's an amazing Amazing kid um, and woman now, really. Um, and then uh, my, my second child is a rising 10th grader. She is unbelievably smart, um, smarter than, you know, I think Catherine and I ever were. And um, she is, she's getting to all kinds of uh, different creative outlets that uh, I never was involved with. She um, loves the 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 backstage part of theater um she's been doing a whole lot of theater tech for her school and actually for you know some other things as well she did a a film camp immersive film camp this this summer so she's getting all into that side of of arts if you will visual arts um and then my my youngest child is a rising sixth grader is um got full of energy she is a beautiful voice, and what's fun for me is she really does share my love for uh, cooking, and uh, she has learned um, that, uh, you know, not to be afraid of failure in the kitchen, and I think that's uh, been a lot of fun. She's made some amazing things, and she's learned from, from what she's done, and um, so we have a, a lot of fun sharing uh, that outlet that, that we share. Yeah, all right, so where to go from here. I think uh, before we do Davidson, you mentioned something because uh, there's something to unpack there, but you mentioned resiliency and, and, um, and I'm curious because you, you're wiser than I am, uh, but it's, uh, I have this theory about kids and resiliency and like how resilient th that they, many of them are. And and I always, I've, I've wondered recently, like, I don't want to say like adults are less resilient, but we're, it seems like we're, we're always, we always can seem to be surprised at how resilient children are. And I, I wonder like what happens over the arc of life that either one makes that surprising to an adult or two makes us maybe less resilient. That's a great question. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind, I've never really, really thought about it, but once you become an adult, you think you know things and you think you have answers. And, and so it's, it's harder to um, acknowledge things you don't know, or that you might've been wrong about. And, and so it, uh, I feel like as a, a child with your malleable brain, you're just absorbing things and, and you're taking things in. And so you're adapting because you're, you're learning new things all the time. So if you stop learning as much than, and, and think, you know, then it's, it's harder to be resilient, to, to be malleable, to, to adapt. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's my gut. I mean, um, that's a really good perspective. It, it, you know, think of it in terms of like traveling, right? Um, if you, if you go and you travel across Europe, you're, you're going to you know, trains and planes and whatever, 
you're going to run into obstacles. And good Lord, we've seen lately with all the, the flight fiascos, um, you know, people get mad, so mad that, you know, they're, they're delayed a few hours or, or something like that. And, and, or trying to figure out, you know, they're, uh, to give a, a candid example, we had the fortune of, of being in Europe this summer and um, <laughs> we got train tickets from Germany down to Italy but we forgot to reserve seats. And, and so we hopped on the train and like, okay, we'll sit down here and realized somebody else had reserved those seats. And we, we went through probably six sets of seats before we found somewhere where we were allowed to sit. And, um, you know, I, I was getting more and more frustrated through the whole process, but my kids were like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll figure out where we sit and then we'll sit down and, you know, watch a show on our phone or <laughs> listen to something or, read a book or just relax. And um, I, they're just much more adaptable to situations like that um, than, than adults are for whatever reason. They don't get as mad usually. <laughs> yeah, really interesting. And then you mentioned uh, your oldest daughter, Kate's going to Davidson and it had, I mean, I sort of knew, but then I had forgotten that you and Catherine had gone to Davidson um, we share the connection there because uh, my middle school friend now is now the head basketball coach. I will certainly be in attendance for his first game. I'm sure it will be against some cupcake and I hope they do quite well, but um, super cool that she's going to be up there. I think that's a really, you know, I think colleges, it's not the Davidson is just a unique place because colleges, I feel like always espouse like some uniquely identifying characteristic about themselves, but like Davidson is a close knit. It's, it's like family. Uh, anyone that graduates from Davidson is like, yeah, I don't know. You guys take care of each other quite well. Yeah, no, we're absolutely. It is a, a special place. I think most people feel a connection to their alma mater. Uh, I mean, Davidson you do get a true sense of family, you know, especially being in Charlotte. Um, you know, I'm sure it's it's true other places as well. But in Charlotte, there is absolutely the Davidson Mafia. You run into anybody who's been to Davidson and um, and you immediately get a sense for, you know, the type of person you're dealing with, um, you know, and it's uh, it, the just the honor code, the, the um, community and commonality just gets, gets ingrained uh, in who you are um, as you spend your time there. And um, so we are very excited uh, to, to have Kate be there. Um, I, uh, I'm also excited for her because she is going to be present when Steph Curry comes back and, mm -hmm. and has his uh, jersey retired, as you, you mentioned, uh, your buddy Matt, um, who's taken over up there um and uh and so i i'm not so fortunate to have gotten a seat to that ceremony but she will be there with a lot of the other students and it's definitely an exciting time um for to be at davidson right now and um looking forward to it yeah i just saw you know you get those random push notifications on your phone and the one i got was like they're in the they're in the top four or five for like one of the top five recruits in the country he's like supposed to be like one of the best shooters i was like this is nuts like that is uh, nuts. uh but anyways <laughs> um so i had really two things just as i was thinking about today and making the best use of your time that i wanted to maybe highlight from a human aspect and one was cooking and the other was 
I guess your your football career that was cut short. Um, <laughs> so uh, just in the spirit of mixing things up, uh, let's talk about your football career. Uh, and career is not the right word, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it was it, you. You describe it so well that you uh, you transitioned quickly into being a broadcaster in, in high school. Yeah, it was interesting. I. Um... Yes, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, uh, which as anybody who's been around high school football knows, Texas high school football is, um, that's all there is pretty much. <laughs> and um, I mean, our games were, were, were huge. And I was fortunate enough to go to um, a Highland Park High School in the middle of Dallas. It is actually the winningest high school football program in the state of history of Texas. Um, and they've we it's funny because we didn't win a whole lot of state championships until Matt Stafford started coming through there and and, and other folks um but uh but it, it we had always had a great program great coaching staff and so it was very exciting to be part of that program um I uh in my junior year um I was was playing linebacker I hadn't decided whether it's going to be a running back or a linebacker but um, I was edging towards linebacker, and in a preseason scrimmage, I, I hit someone wrong, lowered my head, and um, jarred my neck. Um, it hurt, and uh, but the coaches, you know, being Texas high school football coaches, told me to get my my rear end uh, back into the, the scrimmage um, in not so nice words. And then I uh, ended up playing 13 games uh, that season. Got to the I guess the the quarterfinals and lost to the eventual state champions i think and then um during the off season when i was running track i uh had some some serious back pain come up which was very strange so went to the orthopedist got some scans of my neck and back and turned out that i had actually fractured my first cervical vertebra um is the very top vertebra next to the skull um when i had hit that guy in uh in the preseason scrimmage so Right, right there. Uh, my junior year uh, was the last year I was able to play any kind of contact sports, and really uh, was allowed to play any um, organized sports. So, you know, no basketball, no soccer, no anything where where something could happen. Um, and and if if that fragment of uh, bone, the, the the cervical vertebra, just it broke in half. So it was broken on on two sides. And if the fragment shifted then that's not going to be a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if it goes right into um, brainstem or, or, or spinal cord. So uh, all, all organized and competitive athletics were out the window at that point. So um, that point, uh, my senior year, I, I was a, a fortunate enough to become a color commentator for our Texas high school football um, you know, game cast, there was a, a, a professional or semi-professional, um, crew that would broadcast these games over local cable television. And, uh, they asked me to be, be part of that as a, as a color man. So I did. And that was, that was a lot of fun being up in the booth and, you know, giving commentary on my, my friends and, and, uh, fellow players and, and just, on schemes and that sort of thing that, that, um, you might provide some insight. I was no Tony Romo. Uh, <laughs> he's unbelievable in the booth, but, but it was fun. Um, and also it, it, I actually did more, more theater arts thinking back to my, 
middle child. I, I loved theater arts that my senior year as well. I had to do something to stay busy and um, be part of the community. And, and so that's where I, I transitioned to. What did you, were you in like plays and stuff? Yeah. As a, yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. I also have to, uh, my, my 15 seconds of interaction with fame was, uh, was, um, my idol growing up was Michael Singletary as a uh, hall of fame, middle linebacker for Baylor bears, which is where my parents went. And then for Chicago bears. And, um, he, happened to have a, a financial advisor in Dallas who was uh, friends of my parents from church. And so, um, you know, his financial advisor learned through the grapevine what had, what had happened th- to me. And then one night I'm sitting, um, I think studying with a, a friend at home and uh, there's a phone call and my mom says, it's for you. So I answer it and dang, if it isn't Mike Singletary calling me and, uh, you know, wishing me well and saying he had heard about what happened and, it's like, holy cow. So you can imagine as a, a high school junior getting a call from Mike Singletary. It it uh it was uh fantastic and a lot of fun. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, uh Baylor, that I the more you know. So Baylor, uh I very randomly, uh, as you might as you would know, I think you're you follow all things. Like college sports is in this great uh period of transition as they kind of contemplate like what do these super conferences look like what do these uh, tv deals look like and and one of the things i read randomly was that uh baylor's like one of the most watched teams sort of outside of like the the let's say there's like a group of like 30 teams that you might think are big but baylor was surprisingly right up there and so it made me I was just curious and to know that two of your, like your parents both went to Baylor and then to think about it in the context of Davidson, I was just curious, are there any parallels with date with Davidson? Like, cause it no. seems like, no, no, okay. no I, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, other than being a close com, um, knit community, I mean, Baylor, Baylor bears, I mean, they love other Baylor bears. I mean, it is tight, tight, tight. Um, and that's the same feeling at Davidson, right? Yeah. Um, it, that we, you love the community and you're all in for life uh, with that for sure. But uh, as far as a school goes, <laughs> they're vastly uh, different <laughs> um, in, in a number of ways. But uh, so <laughs> what's what's their what's their angle like because i feel like the texas collegiate community is like you've got so many choices how do you mm-hmm. differentiate between austin and uh a&m and i mean i just know the texas tech and yeah. el paso and Baylor. You, you are talking to someone who intentionally left texas <laughs> <laughs> Fair so that may not be the best uh source of information for old Southwest conference schools, as I like to think of them. Um, but each one has a personality, you know, kind of like you think about UNC, Duke, Virginia, Clemson, and, um, and, and definitely have people who love those schools. I mean, you go to Dallas and, and you see Texas signs um, all over the place, you know, Longhorn, um, mm-hmm. UT. Um, you see a few A&M ones, but, um, you know, it's a lot of of Longhorns everywhere, and then of course a lot of Baylor Bears uh, as well, and and then some Mustangs um, around as well. Um, but it's it is interesting with these major conferences. Um, it, it it feels like something was lost, you know, 
20, 30 years ago when the conferences started moving around more and more and teams started leaving. Um, and, and we'll, we'll see what happens, um, with, with the larger conferences, but I, I think with the, um, with the loyalty to a school, there, there used to be the animosity towards the others, the other schools, right? Um, that was diehard. And then you start to lose some of that. You know, when, when Arkansas left the Southwest Conference, that rivalry with any other Southwest Conference team started to go. And I think we'll see a lot more of that as the rivalries may diminish somewhat for the, for the, schools that fracture their their conferences mm -hmm. that's just my own thought on that again yeah i haven't been in texas in a long time no but it's still interesting to hear different perspectives i think um shifting to the other thing the cooking um this is this is something that i knew of you before this episode and i remember um you're always keen to discover a, a tool or a toy that could help you unlock the next best thing uh so you could you know, host amazing dinner parties and uh all and everything in between cook amazing meals for your family so uh tell us where you are all Let's right well um I, I love to eat i love good food and so you know cooking at home um i don't like to eat average food. And so <laughs> I look for, you know, what are some of the things that that elevate food um, and then and, and elevate to something that you might get in a, a restaurant, not just any restaurant, but a, a higher end type of restaurant. And, um, you know, one of the tools that I think many, many, many home cooks have uh, have started utilizing over the last few years um, is the, the sous vide, uh, S-O-U-S-V-I-D-E. And um, all it is, is a, a low and slow cooking method using a water bath. Um, so you, I generally use it for proteins, but you can use it for vegetables and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so it, what you do is, is you put your, your protein into uh, usually like a Ziploc bag and um, you want to either vacuum seal it or you can use a um, water immersion vacuum where you, you push the the uh, the meat down to the water and it the, the water pressure pushes air out and then you can seal the bag and you put it in for at a certain temperature for a period of time and over that time the um, the usually piece of meat comes to a uniform temperature so it is cooked at the exact same temperature throughout the entire piece you no longer have one end that's going to be overcooked and one end that's going to be undercooked. And a perfect example um, is the pork tenderloin. I think that's, you know, one of the best things you can cook in a sous vide as opposed to using any other method because you usually have a tapered end and you have a real thick end. And how do you get even cooking throughout without, you know, burning one side or making one side raw? And, and the sous vide machine does does that perfectly so you you put it in say at like 143 for an hour and a half you're going to get a medium well piece of pork tenderloin that um you can include aromatics in there with it so it'll it'll get uh flavoring while it's cooking and then when you pull it out you season it uh if you want and then you know sear the heck out of it to get the nice brown foods as uh as one of our 
celebrity chefs online says brown food tastes good. Um, and so you want to get browning on there. And, uh, and then, so you, you, you just have a just absolutely delicious piece of meat that you can finish any way you want. And to my knowledge, like some of the, the, uh, high steakhouses that you might go to use that for their steaks. You, you might wonder how do they bring these steaks out so perfectly cooked so quickly, every time and a lot of times because they have water baths going at different temperatures so like this is our our medium rare our medium our medium well and our well done temperatures and then all if they all they do is pull it out sear it and finish it and it's it's done and ready to go um, and they can prep those ahead of time knowing how many people are going to usually uh, be in the restaurant to, to eat those so it, it's um it it really is a great cooking method that can elevate any protein um, that you you want to make. Um, the other tools and fun things I got into mainly um, over the the pandemic time because it these take time is is doing breads. So you know learning how to make baguettes was a whole lot of fun and um, you know other other types of breads and then that evolved into doing some more easier flatbreads like, uh, like naan, um, love Indian food. So homemade naan is delicious. Um, <laughs> highly recommend anybody do that. And then, um, and then lately my latest toy is a simple tortilla press. So you, you make your basic tortilla dough, which is as basic as you can get with flour, water, salt. And, um, and then you, you, you press them out, cook them right on a, a flat top or on a, a skillet. And I got to tell you, I mean, warm tortillas straight off the, the stovetop are absolutely delicious. So good. Yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I, I, uh, I, I, don't, I, I love carbs and I love Mexican <laughs> food. So <laughs> that, yes. that's something I want to Google. Um, you should. Yeah. You don't have to have a press to do it either. And that's the other thing too, is getting that confidence to say, I want to eat this food, but I also want to make it myself. And mm -hmm. I, I, I just got into that, that desire to not eat so much store-bought um, foods and you know, eating raw foods is fabulous. We all should do more eating raw foods, but I like, prepared food as well <laughs> and you know including like the breads tortillas whatever um that you usually would think there's no way i can pull that off but you can it's it's really not hard once you you start getting into it um what was i gonna say um I lost my, I lost my immediate train of thought. So I can, one I can reason go. I, I got into doing this, um, aside from necessity, when I was, um, you know, newly married and, and one of us had to cook was I, I use this as my creative outlet. And I, I truly believe everybody, um, especially those of us in a, um, relatively high intensity profession, um, and, and high stress job, need some creative outlet and you see a lot of you know uh, especially men go out and do their golf course thing and it's being outside and it's you know kind of cathartic for them and it, you're able to decompress and feels good um i uh i had made the decision that i wanted to not be away from my family for four to five hours on a on a weekend day when i'm away from them during the week so I focused in on 
um, on this outlet where I can, I can be with them or do this for them. And, um, you know, some of these, these dishes take a, a long, long time to prepare. So I mean, there are times where I'm sitting in the kitchen for hours, but it's fun. Um, it's, it's really, uh, it, it is, you can use creative juices by looking, you know, like you said, Googling things, right? Let's say I, you know, I want to do something new and different. No idea what it is. Let me Google it. Let me, let me go to Pinterest is a great place you can just go get ideas and um and look for you know foods from around the world and um and then you say well that looks tasty let me give that a shot and um so then you you bring it back in and you may look at four or five different recipes to figure out what looks like it makes sense and what looks like maybe tasty and maybe feasible um you know, if you can't find ingredients in one recipe you know, you look for another one. So it's, um, for me, it's, it, it, it does fuel my creative juices. Um, and, uh, it allows me to do something that makes me happy, um, to take my mind off stress and also to please others, um, which is a motivating factor in my life. Uh, I, I like to make my family happy, my friends happy. Um, um, i prefer to be a happy person as opposed to a, an angry or upset person. Um, and um, I, I think that that uh, is is necessary in our lives um, for for having a, a balanced life. So um, I to parallel that with my work life, um, you know, everybody has different motivations for the job they do. And, um, you know, as lawyers, there's a lot of different motivations. There's a lot of different types of lawyers being a, a litigator, um, can be antagonistic. Some people love the fight, right? Um, my motivation is, is not the fight. Although, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be competitive. <laughs> I like <laughs> winning. Everybody loves to win. And so that's a good feeling. Um, but what really motivates me is helping the folks who are out there helping other people as well. I mean, physicians, healthcare providers have devoted their life to helping people uh, in needs who are sick, who are ailing, who can't help themselves. Um, and they, they use their intelligence, they use their tools, they use their creativity, um, and they're you know, super smart people, And um, but they get into situations where they need guidance and need help through situations, and, and I, I, I truly enjoy assisting those people. Um, and at, at the end of, uh, you know, a piece of litigation or if dealing with medical board or um, regulatory issues, they, they show true appreciation because they, they know that they are the ones who needed help through this. And, um, and so I got to tell you, I, I get so much more joy from that feeling of, you know, being with a physician next to me when a, when a no verdict comes in, um, and a trial and just the, the happiness they share and feel, um, than, than I do really for anything else. And so that motivates me to, you know, like you said, buckle down, um, and give it everything I have to help this person through this mm. situation, um, and give them the best possible outcome that, that can be done. 
that's Part. that's and so that's that's kind of you know the the parallel i guess with the cooking is i just i love pleasing people making people feel good feel happy and um it's it's a weird parallel but that, that's motivation on both of those aspects of my life love it i see i see the parallel i also get the privilege of having known you so um <laughs> and that, that may make the parallel easier to to see parting shot uh you're having a big dinner party. You're all, all of your favorite guests are coming and you have to choose one meal to cook. What, what are you cooking? Well, I guarantee you it won't be vegetarian. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I am a huge, I, I love pretty much all things Italy. I mean, I love Italian food, countryside, cars i mean it's just it, it is an amazing place for me and so um i th i think i would do a large porchetta which is a um part of part of the pig which if you think about the the large tenderloin kind of rolled into a um a pork belly um on the outside with the skin also on the outside so you, you score the skin and it's um you it it is a several day process uh, to make this piece of meat, which if you happen to be in, in Rome, go to a sidewalk cafe, get a porchetta sandwich, and you'll understand what I'm talking about. It is delicious. It is so <laughs> good. Um, and it's a beautiful piece of pork. Um, so that would be obviously the, the center point of it. Um, the, the tail end of it, which I also love sweets and dessert, um, just a, a true Italian tiramisu is hard to beat. I mean, good Lord, it's so delicious. And um, we, you know, we're fortunate enough to be in, in Venice uh, over the summer and we took a little home cooking course with a, um, just a woman who was a home chef in Venice. And um, she very quickly and easily taught us how to put together just a, a simple Italian tiramisu. Um, and my kids came back and have made it probably three or four times since then. It is just easy, delicious. And, um, it, 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 it I, I don't know that there's a better dessert out there. There's a lot of good desserts, probably the same, but anyway, the, um, and then, uh, you know, of course you have to have a pasta on the side. So, you know, we've gotten into doing homemade pasta as well. Like I said, love homemade things these days. Um, and, uh, it, I, I, I'm a big fan of a pasta called Angelotti. If you've ever heard of that, um, yeah. it is, it's kind of a pillowy pasta. It's a, mm -hmm. a little thing of ravioli, but smaller and a, and a little pillow uh, of just deliciousness that you can <laughs> have anything and stuff it with just about anything, usually maybe a, a ricotta type of mixture and um, some kind of you know, brown butter sauce or sage sauce on the outside or something like that. But wow. Anyway, lots, lots of good stuff. You got to have some yeah. soap, salad. So anyway, you, you, you want to ask me, I'll come up with something. We'll, yeah. We'll do you, it right. You, uh, those are going to be some lucky guests. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, this was, uh, so much fun. You are, um, your, your, your warm wide smile shows up over zoom just as well. So, um, Thanks so much for spending some time sharing a little bit about what what's interesting to you and uh, your daughters, your wife, and everything in between. Thanks, Kevin, and thanks for doing this. I love this. I love listening to everybody's 
stories and and you, you're doing a great uh great job here thank you thank you thank you so we'll keep on keeping on and i hope to see you soon good to see you we need to recognize that this is possible because of the hard work and support of the well-run media team they make this easy and speaking of easy big thanks to huga co-working for access to their studio and of course the lawyers who agree to take time out of their busy busy schedules to be here even though we're sure they have better things to do. So thanks for saying yes.